What's up? Welcome to another edition of Canucks Talk here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Trance, who also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Do you always refer to new episodes as additions? Uh-huh. That's like quite frequently. That's yeah. Okay. I don't know why I never Thank noticed Thank you for it. paying attention. You're welcome. It's like Canucks talk volume. Yeah. I don't know. What show number are I we get, Well, this would be volume three because it's our third season of doing it. Oh, addition. Right? And then it would be, yeah. <laughs> that's how you're going? That's you're, how like that's how you're sorting it? journal does it, oh, okay. isn't it? Well, I I mean, that's what, and we're definitely up to the standard that's of right. an academic journal. Peer reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> very, very high standards here. But yeah, that's, uh, I, 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 I don't know, every show. If I call it a new edition. Like 90%. But fairly often, I would say. Fairly often. I've been reviewed by my peers, and they found me wanting. <laughs> they are like, eh, no thank Trance you. Trance has definitely been reviewed by his peers. 650-650 <laughs> <laughs> um, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Now, big show today. A couple of great guests. Ryan Clark, our pal from ESPN, will join us at 1. Uh, and we get another uh, another go-around with Yannick Hansen here because there's no people show today because of the early game in Chicago. So Yannick Hansen uh, will join us at one. Will we ask him about well. the gritty? 100% we will. Yes, we will. 100% we will. Do you How like long can we talk about the gritty? Do you like gritty talk? You're in the right place. Man, one of my bits of my routine of show prep every morning is uh, around, I don't know, 9 a.m. You hit the gritty. I log on and check out the, (laughs) yeah, just getting psyched up for the show. I love that. I I log in and check (laughs) out. Get the blood flowing. You refer to it as your calisthenics. Just Jamie Gritty doing the gritty the room. for no one. Um, <laughs> I check out the Dunbar Lumber text line to see what people were talking about during Halford and Bruff. And today it was like overwhelming text after text after text involving the word gritty. I was like, oh boy, we are really doing this. So, yes, we will continue that conversation uh, with Yannick. And so probably asking about the Morgan Riley incident uh, as well. Slap shots into the empty net and all of that. Lots going on uh, to get into with our guests. But uh, as mentioned, it is a Canucks game day. They're in Chicago, so let's start with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? Canucks wrapping up. We'll start with the headlines. The Canucks uh, wrapping up their five-game road trip against the still Connor Bedardless Chicago Blackhawks. He's getting closer to a return, uh, but will not factor in tonight, which means the Canucks will not face Connor Bedard uh, this year. Actually, do they play them one more time now that I mentioned that? They have one more against them. Uh, this is th- this is three. Is this three already? Yeah, this is three. All right. So they did play him once earlier. They did in November. Yeah. yeah after, what am I talking? It was about? on the second leg of a back to back after go. they uh, played the Wild and they won. All right. Because Chicago's not very Chicago, good. Chicago not very good. Just as bad as it looks on paper. This with is one Connor of those. Bedardo. This is one of those. Like on the one hand, you finish the road trip with an exhalation, right? Like the ability mm-hmm. to just like you're very like. On the other hand, right. If you lose this one, people get like more upset about it than normal. It's like the Bruins loss. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you go out on this road trip and your only losses are Chicago and Boston, people are mad, even though it's a good road trip. Like the yeah. Canucks have already secured a good road trip or a successful one. They've already secured 500. They're going to win tonight. But, you know, 
But this it feels like one of those all downside games. Yeah, like a trap game. You might often yeah. refer to it. I mean, I don't. Except I think, a trap I, like, game I think, is one. A trap game is one you might actually lose. Well, that's the thing. A team has to be better than the Blackhawks <laughs> yeah. are. I think for it to be totally uh, a trap game. And you look at not just the fact that the Canucks are good <laughs> and the Blackhawks are really bad. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but specifically the way the two teams are good and bad, right? Like the Canucks have been so sound defensively. The Blackhawks have been absolutely woeful offensively. Like they just cannot score. And I think we saw a little bit of that, like how it could play out uh, when the Blackhawks were at Rogers Arena not that long ago. Like that was a sleepy effort. The Canucks still won 2 nothing, and it never looked like Chicago was going to score. So this is kind of a game where the Canucks' defensive structure should just be able to carry them to a win here, almost regardless of what kind of effort or how sharp they are. Yeah, it's kind of strength on weakness yes. in a really uncomfortable way for Chicago. Yeah, if this is a trap game, it's not trap like the things Indiana Jones encounters while trying to sneak into a secret temple. It's like a trap is in like trap house. That's a trap Like game, trap right. music? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I was thinking it. I wasn't sure if that's where you're going with it. I don't know. I feel like a trap house could be pretty dangerous still. <laughs> so I don't know if I would use that as my like unthreatening example of a uh, Segment two on comeback with trap music. Yeah, but it's not dangerous like poison tip darts I shot guess. out of the eyes of a snake statue or something. I mean, I guess it depends on who's who's encountering each trap. I think some people some people would choose one, some people would choose the other. Okay. Like Excuse I would think me. I would trust Indiana Jones more against the poison tipped arrows than to deal with a trap house, for example. Yeah, but would I you trust yourself? W- I think he'd be way out of his element. Would you trust yourself? That's that's an interesting one. Um so, I remember watching those movies as a kid and being like, Archaeology is not for me. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Doesn't seem like something I would thrive at. <laughs> so you you like, look, the Canucks, heavy, heavy favorites. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in the whiteboard. And yeah, their defensive structure, you expect to win here. I will say, as much as it's the last game of my road trip, and you know, there is a little bit of fatigue, surely. I believe this is four in six nights uh, or six days for the Canucks as well. They're looking forward to coming home. You'd also like to see them snap out of the five-on-five offensive doldrums a little bit here, too, right? Like, it's not, okay, hey, a sleepy win, a a win where you kind of coast and just, you know, you're way better and you're really strong defensively and you get the two points. That's fine. Look, go get the two points. But for extra credit, it'd be nice to see, you know, a a crooked number put up against the Blackhawks. Do you mean goals, though, or do you mean shots? Do you mean, like, overall pressure? Yeah, like a real, like a like take it to them. And hey, if their goalie stands on their head, and that's fine, and you don't convert, you only get a couple. That's fine. Okay. But like, have a really dominant offensive performance. Yeah, yeah, because that's yeah. I mean the the five on five, the trend line on the five on five offense is actually really interesting to me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Canucks have not. It, again, it's not just the goals, right? Because we've talked about how their shooting percentage has like very much come back to earth, right? Like last ten games. Teams only shooting 8.6%. Last six, it's, you know, uh, sub 7%. Uh, But over the course of the last 10, it's the shot rate, 27 shots per hour. And over the last six, it's at 24. Like, those are, you know, 24. I mean, you're talking, um, sorry, it's 25 over the last 10 games. Excuse me. That That's, like, not good. <laughs> that's very not yeah. good. That's... Um, you know, that's what the Anaheim Ducks manage, right? Like, that's pretty punchless. Now, on the other hand, that's what the St. Louis Blues manage, but the St. Louis Blues are classically attacking against the rush. So, uh, I mean, there's uh, off the rush. So there's ways to 
um, make your shots count. This Canucks team is good at that, mm -hmm. but really they're not generating enough right now. Uh, and and now that you're seeing the percentages come back to earth a little bit, that becomes more apparent, right? Yeah. And I think also, and we can talk about this a little bit more in the lineup section, but where you are integrating Elias Lindholm and now you're kind of on plan B after you, maybe the coaching staff didn't love the look of the first lineup with him in it, you'd like to see some positive momentum, right? Don't have it become a thing. Like, uh-oh, are we having trouble? What's the chemistry situation here? Get on a groove, get on a roll, uh, and start you know, reversing that trend line as far as the five-on-five -five offense is concerned. And don't be shocked if we see another lineup. I mean, they got, they won in overtime, but they, weren't, mm -hmm. they got outplayed. Like, I, I mean... I don't know who's on the road. I don't think McIntyre is still there, so we might not find yeah, out. I don't know if we're going to see until warm up. Yeah, but uh, but I wouldn't be stunned at all if the Canucks had a new lineup tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, moving on quickly to the uh, broadsheet portion of uh, the whiteboard for today, just a couple of things. You know, not one. Canucks related the other one just interesting from a league-wide perspective I was listening to uh, Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick show earlier today and I, I thought it was interesting that Jeff Merrick and the word he used was wonders he said he wonders if the Dallas Stars would be interested in Nikita Zadorov. so that you know he's not reporting any interest he's not saying I've heard there there's interest there he's not saying the Canucks are shopping him but I did think it was interesting as he was kind of just assessing the Dallas Stars and what they might be interested in that Nikita Zadorov's name would be kind of front of mind for him. There's been some debate in this market, you know, is he really a potential to sell? Uh, but anyways, I thought that was worth passing along, that another contender in the Western Conference in Merrick's eyes could be a fit for Canucks defenseman Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, interesting. I mean, again, we're, we're going to learn a lot more about how this is trending once the Canucks return home and Zadorov returns yeah. from suspension and, you know, also once Susie gets healthy. Uh, but yeah, I mean... If you're moving Zadorov, I don't think you're just moving Zadorov. You're moving Zadorov because you've something got something else. Hundred percent. Right? It's step one of of something for sure. Yeah, uh, but it's it's also a useful reminder that you know in the past the Canucks have been in situations, even as recently with Andre Kuzmenko, where we were wondering how difficult would it be to move this player, right? And they ended up being able to do it in the same deal as Lindholm, and Calgary was happy to take the player, and that made things a lot easier. But there was some question there. I think it's a good reminder that Zadorov would have value, right? There's a reason. The Flames were able to trade him early in the season. There's a reason the Canucks were interested. If you did need to do that as step one to making a larger move to improve your team, I think it would be relatively straightforward as much as it ever is moving, you know, three plus million no, salary but, in, in season. But moving 3.5 million in salary, 3.25, whatever it is, is one thing when it's a player who's not good. Yeah. But when people are like, I want him on our team yeah. because to help for the playoffs, then it becomes all of a sudden a lot easier. And and I mean, there's risk here too, right? Like, what? How good a player would you have to add for that to act for that maneuver to really be mm -hmm. worth it? You know, obviously it depends too what the appreciation on Zadorov is since you paid a third and a fifth for him. I mean, if you're trading him for a first, that's a no brainer. <laughs> yes, but uh, especially if you're trading him for a first and then turning around and using it to buy. But man, like six foot six, two fifty, mm -hmm. toughest guy on your team from a policing standpoint, and you know is a really important secondary puck mover on this blue line. I, I really don't think that can be understated. You know, in terms of carrying the puck through the neutral zone, like gaining the blue line with your feet, after Hironik and Hughes, it, it's Zadorov, right? Like he's the best at it among the other Canucks D. That's a piece that I think the club has to, you know, if they're moving on from him, it has to be done 
in a, in a very calculated way and with a very, very clear upgrade coming in. And somebody texted in, why would you move Zadorov? Are you guys running out of things to talk about? And But that's exactly it, right? It wouldn't just be moving him because, oh, hey, the prices are pretty good and we can get a, you know, we'll get a second round pick for Zadorov. It would only inherently, the only way it makes any sense is if you're bringing in another player in a separate deal that you think is a significantly, a significant upgrade mm-hmm. over Zadorov. So that's why. And I do think that is a possibility. I wouldn't bet on it happening, but if you are trying to make a move to improve your top four, he's kind of the logical name to be, uh, you know, the first step of that uh, of that process. The other thing I did want to pass along, this one not specifically re- related to the Canucks, but I did think it was interesting. Uh, ESPN NHL reporter Emily Kaplan tweeting today. Uh, she says, one month out of the NHL trade deadline, biggest trend emerging is potential playoff teams selling. The Flyers, third in the Metro Division, have been actively taking calls on roster players. The Blues, Caps, Flames, Kraken, Preds, and Wild, all in the wild card hunt, could be sellers as well. And I think that's something interesting to keep in mind as we get closer to the trade deadline on March 8th and the kind of market begins to take shape is the pool of available players could expand a little bit from what we're used to talking about, right? I mean, those are teams, that's a, that's a lot of teams, that she, as she says, are all in the wildcard hunt. It wouldn't really surprise you at this point to see any of them decide to sell some pieces. Pretty amazing, too, that we've had sort of a shift, I think, in terms of how teams think about this. Like, mm-hmm. if we do see a bunch of quote-unquote fringe playoff teams sell this year, uh, you know what? What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's the last year of the flat cap era, so these teams might be prioritizing flexibility and options, especially ahead of the cap increasing over the next two years, as opposed to a couple games of playoff revenue. But that's a gutsy call for a hockey executive to make, oh, right? Yeah. Like uh, to get ownership level buy-in on that—that that, that ain't easy. But also, I think it reflects, you know, a, a sort of an understanding of how hard the cup is to win. Right, mm-hmm. that that sneaking into the second wild card spot, and you know, facing a Florida or a Boston or a Carolina right off the hop, or a Rangers right off the hop, or a Vancouver. You know, I mean, you know, if you're Nashville, get into the first round. You're facing Vancouver, Winnipeg, Colorado, or yeah. Edmonton. Edmonton, maybe. I mean, nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not winning that series. So, um, you know, I I think it's an interesting trend if if this. It, if that's in fact how this comes to pass, especially if there's teams other than Philly who are truly like the house money team, yeah. if there's other teams that do it, Seattle's the most fascinating mm-hmm. for me because, first of all, like Jordan Eberle's sick, uh, but Justin Schultz is really good, and then they've got some guys signed for two years, like Adam Larson Adam and Larson, Yan Adam Gord, Gord. Yeah. Who, who teams would pay through the nose for, and for good reason. I mean, those could be absolutely like final finishing pieces on any cup team. Yeah, Seattle is really fascinating there. I mean, we all but, know what the score of Calgary. But the market is the key here, right? Like, that's a crowded marketplace. That's mm-hmm. Seahawks country. That's UW country. That's Mariners country. Uh, we all know that the Sonics are coming back at some point. Seattle f- sports fans know. You know, the momentum of, of that playoff run for the Kraken last year was like everything. They had this, you know, excellent sort of box office buzzy performance with the outdoor game. You know, to really have the stones to pull the shoot given those market priorities, to me, that would be a very, very interesting decision. Yes, I, and I would be, you know, maybe Eberle, maybe Schultz, the Larson and Gord class, I have a tough time seeing move me at this deadline just for all those reasons you're laying out, but you never know. And look, from a Canucks perspective, 
if the market is taking shape here over the next few weeks, and not only are these bubble teams not buying, because sometimes we'll see the bubble teams say like, yeah, we're not going to buy, but we're also not going to sell. You know what I mean? We're going to we're going to hold tight. We're going to give our guys a chance to make the playoffs, but we're not going to pour resources into it. But we don't want to hamper our chances either. This is different in that they could actively sell. And all of a sudden you could be in a situation where the market could be potentially more interesting for buyers uh, as we get closer to a deadline than we might have thought a little while ago. If, if all of these sellers uh, are at least potentially interested in moving some pieces. And I just think with Jim Rutherford and his track record of aggressiveness and we know his mindset, like any degree to which the market becomes more friendly for buyers you got to believe he's going to be very interested in that, and that uh, that increases the likelihood for me that we could see another Canucks move before March 8th. So I thought that was interesting from Emily Kaplan, something that's worth keeping an eye on here uh, as we get closer to the NHL trade deadline. Lineup notes for today, as you mentioned, uh, Ian McIntyre, our colleague at Sportsnet, no longer covering the team on the road trip. He's back in town. You're right here, so you're not there. So no lineup update from Morning Skate in uh, Chicago today. We'll see how things take shape in warm-up. You know, you were saying you wouldn't be surprised to see a different configuration at forward because, yeah, they got the win in Washington, but they didn't play particularly well. I kind of lean to give this group a chance to build some chemistry, right? Like, maybe if you – look, if you see something that's completely not working and you you really don't like, then switch it up. But I do think at a certain point, as versatile as Lindholm is, and it's great that he can play in so many different spots – you want to find a home for him too, right? So I kind of look at this as give this group a chance to build some chemistry, wait at least another game before you do the shuffle again. To me, the big question is what's the health status on the blue line and does Jet Wu get a chance to potentially make his NHL debut tonight? And if so, who's out of the lineup? Yeah. Given that the team didn't perform all that well, I'd just be surprised if we see JT Miller play another game on the wing. Mm. That that more than anything is why I think we'll see a, a shuffle. Right, that's just my t- the that's priority just... has been to get him in the middle, typically. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and I, I think ultimately, Pedersen Lindholm, you know, they they did it for what three games, went away from it for it for a fourth. Yeah, I think if that... they did it for two, and then they changed it up after Boston, so the two weekend games Got it. Okay. were right. Miller on the so wing. did it for two, so yeah. he's played half and half. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I would expect them to go back to that, and what what better place to build chemistry than against the Chicago Blackhawks? Seriously. Yeah, so maybe you look at it and say, okay, but whatever it is, okay, if you change it up tonight, then then give whatever the new addition is a chance to really stick together and build some chemistry. Yeah. Maybe it starts with that game against, um, maybe it starts with the, uh, a game against the Blackhawks, get a chance to get rolling. But I'd like to see some some certainty here at, at a certain certain point. Yeah, you know, this tune up also. I guess the what the other way to look at it is this tune up kind of matters in that on the other side of it, you've got. Detroit, one of the hottest teams in the league, and then the Winnipeg Jets, you know, who have faded a little bit of late, but you've you've been neck and neck with for months at the apex of the of the Pacific, uh, the Western Conference. Excuse me. So, you know, I, I, getting some things in order tonight would certainly be a be a good sign for this. Club. I'll say also the other thing to consider in terms of the lineup considerations. Of course, Sam Lafferty drew out in the last game, but I could see him coming back in, and would it be? Uh, Phil Giuseppe could Ilya Mikheyev sit for a game given where mm. his usage has trended so you know I, I th- it would feel almost a little harsh to have Lafferty out for two consecutive games I know he hasn't had quite the same impact he was uh, early in the season but when he's been on that fourth line with Neil Zaman and sometimes Niels Hoaglander it's been pretty effective so I do wonder if we see uh, Sam Lafferty draw back into the lineup as well uh, do you really think his de- effectiveness has declined 
Well, production right. is maybe a better way to say it. But yeah. I think he's giving you a lot of those four-flight things. Like, that's yeah, been a good fourth line. I think he's doing exactly what he'd been doing all season. It's just, you know, not shooting goals. stopped bouncing in off body parts. <laughs> Funny how that happens sometimes. Uh, playoff forecast for the Canucks. So a few games on the schedule. Vegas loses in regulation last night against Minnesota. That increases, increases the chances that they will meet the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. Again, I, the, the stats of this break my brain a little bit, but both teams, I think it's a 70% chance that they meet in the first round. That in some combination, they finish second and third, uh, second or third, and they meet in the first round. So 70% chance, that's really, really high, and that would be the dream result in the Pacific Division mm. for the Canucks. Canucks still with a 71% chance to win the Pacific Division per Dom's model uh, up at the Athletic. And I did want to highlight in terms of the Uttertown scoreboard last night, the Pacific Division and the Western Conference in general. <laughs> Crack and lose to the Devils. Flames lose to the Rangers. Uh, Coyotes lose to the Flyers. I know they're still kind of in the fringes of the playoff race. The Wild did win, but like, who wants this? Who wants this final spot in the Western Conference playoff? And it, like, the answer is no one that much, I guess, because we're also hearing that these teams might be interested uh, in selling, but it's just so striking Nobody can get any traction in this race for the final playoff spot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's going to be a turtle derby. It, it often is, right? It mm -hmm. often is with the teams at that striver tier, right? Which is why it's not a huge accomplishment to be there. You're cracking, by the way, down to an 8% chance to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs, yeah. yeah so. Congratu I'm congratulations. I'm still holding. As you said. It's not like anyone else is. That's not like, true. Not like anyone else is like put no, them out. No one is. Uh, no one is. Uh, no, know. and very seriously, what's going to happen is one team is going to run rabbit hot. Like that's that's what you're going to get here. Typically, right? You you see these teams, especially because once you get into the that last thirteen games of the season, like you're going to bump into all these teams that are like blooding young players and like playing college guys mm. and have like shut down stars and. The teams that want it, the teams that are playing playoff hockey against teams that are playing out the string is always massively miss, um, like it's a massive mismatch. So I, I, one of these teams is going to run outrageously hot for a stretch and that'll be the team that makes it. Uh, we'll wrap up the whiteboard with the betting odds update for tonight and uh, anything else going on right now, Drancer? Just gambling odds? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Canucks are minus 280 consensus on the money line. Uh, they're favored by so much that it's minus 110 to buy the puck line for Ooh. the Canucks to win by two, two. goals. Wow. So uh, lopsided game, and despite that, 70% of the handle is on the Vancouver side. So, yeah, Canucks are going to win tonight, Yeah, they according are, to the betting markets. They are way better than the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks have, I think, relatively quietly fallen below the Sharks in the standings, by the way. They now have the worst record uh, in the NHL. That is stunning. Yeah. Considering how bad the Sharks I thought the started. Sharks, I thought the Sharks were going to be historically bad. They were. The Blackhawks and are then, worse. And then the Blackhawks lost every single forward available to them, and now they're worse. And now they are somehow worse. And the Canucks get to play them tonight. Looking to finish 3-1-1 one, one on the road. If it's felt underwhelming, 
but there's a good chance to come back 3-1-1, one, and one, which is like a phenomenal result on a five-game road trip in the NHL. Yeah, so be awesome. They've got a chance to do that against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. We will continue to look ahead to that. We'll take your text as well. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we'll also hear some brief commentary from Rick Tockett in the next segment ahead of tonight's game. That's coming up here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.